tight end for the balls to the right side. This will be Manning. Back to throw. Across the middle. Pass complete. Ball down at the 35. To the 40. To the 45. To the 50. To the 45. To the 40. To the 35. 30. 25. 20. 15. 10. 5. What did he do? All he did was score. Joey Kent. Touchdown on play number one. Good evening. Woo. Good evening, everybody. This is uh, Georgia Tech ball, and if that dot, if that did not give you chills, then you're probably not a Tennessee fan, and I don't know why you're listening to this podcast, but welcome to the General Quarters Fan Podcast. We are excited to be here. It is October 28th, coming off of a fresh loss against South Carolina, which it is what it is, but we are here to bring you some fresh insight, to have a good time. Um, a lot of people on the board like to complain about the Bob Kessling calls, so we wanted to start off every single podcast now with a nice John Ward call to get everybody excited and pumped. I wanted to to you know download the uh, the 1995 Tennessee Alabama call. That was actually the first play of the game, which which John Ward said there, so it was really cool. And shout out to uh, Duke Silverval. I tried my best to be uh, Bob Kessling last night texting you literally play-by-play and PTC doing the Tim Priest. That was pretty cool. Um, But if this is your first time listening to the General Quarters Fan Podcast, we will be discussing anything from Tennessee to touchdowns to trannies, so it can really go across the board. Um, I am your chat host, Georgia Tech Vol. I am the most high-end of them all, and I'm happy to be here. I'm humbled to be here. We've got a great group of folks on tonight some regulars and some new people. Um, I'm going to pass it along to the group really quickly. I'm going to introduce everybody. Um, first and foremost, Power T. He's taken a little bit of leave of absence from the podcast, but he's back this evening. PTC Vol, Pounding Thrill, my dad, the oldest member of the General Quarters, uh, Bleed Orange 23, and then uh, Priest Vol as well is joining us as a special guest. We will have another guest. Mr. Austin Price will be joining us in a little bit once he gets done with his high-end television uh, gig. So before we get into the fun stuff, I do want to uh, talk about the the shooting at the Tree of Life Synagogue in, in Pennsylvania. I got a text. So I was on a group text with a number of the guys on the podcast and you know, giving updates on what was going on and um, just an absolute uh, tragedy that had happened um, where a number of lives were taken and um, just a senseless act of violence, an act of hatred. Um, and as a country that's trying to <laughs> heal itself at some point, which you know we're just going in two different directions, but um, it's, it's really not, you know, it's a terrible thing when things like this happen and uh, things that are just based off of hatred like this. So um, we want to give our very best. I don't know if anybody else in the group wants to say anything, but... Um, just wanted to give a little moment uh, for the victims in uh, Pittsburgh. Yeah, we need to stand with all of our Jewish brethren. This is a, this is completely senseless. Prayers out to all those affected in Pennsylvania. Yeah, most certainly. Amen to that for their families and their friends and all those who know them. Um, this is um, unfortunately in this country over time, whether it's 9-11 or some senseless thing like this, wherever it may be, that it is the time when Americans do typically pull together, and uh, I hope that uh, they certainly will do that at this point as, as they have in the past. Yeah, no, very, very good words. And, you know, I think love will prevail here, and um, we've just got to pick each other up and uh, do what we can to bring the pieces back together. But our prayers are with all those families. So 
Uh, that being said, let's go to introductions. Let's get this thing rolling. Bleed Orange, since you, you're on there talking, uh, we'll pass it to you, and then I'll go around the horn and everybody introduce yourself. If, if you're drinking anything, let us know. Well, I am Bleed Orange, the mythical father of at Georgia Tech Vol, and I'm actually decided, uh, considering what we do here, I'm sitting in an armchair so that I can be the armchair quarterback this week and second-guess all things Tennessee Vol. Very nice. Thank you for being on again, and I will make no jokes about uh, you taking your meds tonight. So I promise uh, <laughs> I made a pledge there. Uh, pounding Thrill, welcome, my friend, um, the steady hand of the, the VolQuest podcast. Thanks for joining tonight. <laughs> yeah, glad to be back. Awesome, brother. Uh, PTC Vol, man. Shout out to you, my friend. Yeah, guys, glad to be here. Um, I am not sitting in an armchair. I am sitting in a couch that is older than every one of us combined on this <laughs> podcast, though. Very nice. Are you drinking anything tonight? You said you were doing, like, water or something tonight. Nah, man, I got the Diet Coke going. Okay. I, uh, as y'all know, well, now y'all know, I've been a diabetic for 35 years, so i got to be careful what I consume alcohol-wise. Gotcha. Well, we're, we're glad to have you here, and I Amen. will say, man, it's uh, – You've been a good friend over the, actually the past couple of years now, so I, I really enjoy uh, talking balls with you, man, and life with you. So it's it's Amen, good, brother. good to have you on here. Power T, my friend, we've missed you so much. We miss your voice. We're glad to have you here. Thanks for joining. Good to be back. I'm uh, going to talk some balls football. Obviously, I'd like to join the podcast only after wins or prior to <laughs> wins. Uh, so unfortunately, I'm breaking my streak. Uh, yep. You know, I thought long and hard yesterday about what I needed to do. Uh, as a ball fan to make sure that we won. You know, I tried to set up the conditions yep. uh, that happened at the Auburn game, make the same number of texts, you know, drink the same drinks. And then my little <laughs> sister came into my uh, my man cave and, and messed up the tranquility. So, you know, blame oh, her. I mean, so that's what oh. happened. That's it is. What happened. It is. Okay. It is. I'll, I'll take this one. I'll wear this one, guys. Okay. Um, but uh, I'm drinking on a little harpoon tonight, uh, hoping that, uh, you know, with the help of this drink, we can we can reel one in for Charlotte. I know it's going to be a tough one, so, you know, who knows. <laughs> right. well, we're, we're glad to have your insight on here, and uh, I, I knew something was up, um, but I'm glad that uh, you confessed that. And speaking of confession, um, we've got Priestfall who's going to be on, and he's going to tell us a little bit later about his, uh, what are you calling it? Let me look again on my notes here, the, uh, the confession corner. I think it's an amazing segment we're going to have. Uh, Priestfall, thank you for joining. Are you drinking anything tonight? Yeah, guys, thanks for having me. Really excited to be on here and talk a little confessions and some maybe a couple Hail Marys for some players that may need to go and repent. <laughs> um, but love the first four. Excited to be on here and drinking. Yeah, I get my one Sunday night beverage. I'm having a little Gentleman Jack on the rocks to uh, cleanse myself from that loss last night. So yep. Uh, yep. excited to be here and, and talk a little football with you guys. Yeah, Taking a little bit of the sacrament, are we? <laughs> yes. <laughs> the holy water. Well, hey, you sound like a natural already, so we're glad to have you on here. So, uh, you know, welcome and, and thanks for joining us. I will say, I think I was the only one that called the South Carolina junior loss, not to say I'm happy about that. Um, but when we did our predictions, I think I was the only one. And I only reason being was because uh, it was an away game at night and that stupid sandstorm song, I, I literally, it really bothers me. Um, it's, it's, it's so annoying. But um, obviously Tennessee loses to South Carolina on, on Saturday, had, had really control of the game 
uh, for you know three and a half quarters, and then South Carolina went on this you know streak of consecutive possessions over and over and over again, where they were just running it down our throats. Bentley could not throw. I think he would have had 83 yards or 85 yards of, of passing offense if it weren't for that one big play uh, that he had on us uh, for the touchdown. But um, again, Tennessee, I think they let one slip away that could have gotten them closer to bowl contention. Obviously, we can we'll be discussing as well um, that we got screwed on a, a number of calls. Um, but again, just a tough loss. Everybody's kind of talked about it, but I want to pass it to you. Power T, what are your thoughts initially, breakdown of the game? Um, who do you think some of the winners and losers on uh, offense and defense were? Uh, well, obviously it's a heartbreaking loss. Um, I mean, not as big a heartbreak as we've seen over the past few years, so I guess I don't want to go that far with it. But this is one that we left on the table. I did think that Tennessee played well enough to win this game. I also think that Tennessee made crucial mistakes at critical times uh, to lose this game. Uh, I, I think, you know, the biggest, or at least my game ball, and the, the biggest positive that I would have, and we'll discuss this later in the If I Were Hilton segment, is just the, just the improvement, vast improvement in play calling. Uh, by Tyson Hilton and crew. I mean, I thought they had a great game plan. I thought they executed it well. Uh, I thought it was great to see a first-quarter touchdown uh, and then to see a third-quarter first-drive touchdown drove all the way down the field in a really definitive fashion and and, and scored that touchdown to make it 21-9 to at the time. Um, You know, obviously, you know, we didn't win the game, and I think that comes in large part to a couple defining moments. I mean, first off, um, right before the half, you get the ball back with, uh, I think, 50-plus seconds. You have, I think, three timeouts still at that point, if not two. Um, and you, you've got an offense that's clicking a little bit. You know, do you go? Do you try to go down the field and score, or do you try to protect what you have and, and, and don't have a turnover? I mean, I think moving forward, you know, uh, Coach Pruitt's decision may be to play aggressive there. I would have liked to have seen that, um, but it's understandable in some ways, and I, I know everybody wants to talk about that piece. And then just one of the negatives just has to be just the run defense. Um, you know, Tennessee was stopping two plays away, and about two plays, I mean the type of plays, two plays away on that the read option where they I think they brought a um, – they either went strong or weak with their tight end, and, and they – and they just really just ran a zone read or a counter kind of um, set up out of that same shotgun formation. But it gave our, our linebackers fits. We didn't have the right run fits. Uh, we didn't get good penetration at times. Um, and, you know, I don't know if that's all in the linebackers or if it was compounded by safety play and just the injuries that we've sustained at that position. But uh, it was just hard to see because, you know, I, in, in, I know I'm going on for a little bit too long, but in – in my appraisal this season, I've seen the defense improve, improve, improve. Um, even against Alabama, they still did some things better than they did against West Virginia. And I thought this was the first game where the, that's, the stock of, of that of that unit really remained stagnant, if it not dip a couple points. Um, I think they'll get back. I'm, I'm calm about it um, as I posted on the board um, today. Um, but – you know, I think we'll be fine. Uh, this team's shown consistent improvement. The South Carolina loss, obviously, 
you want to see a win there. Um, and it, it hurts so much because I think the Vol faithful saw that this was another opportunity to gain a lot of momentum and keep rolling downhill uh, toward the end of this season. Uh, and so this one we'd like to have back, but I think we'll we'll win out and um, and and keep being successful. No, that's that's all good stuff, man. And and actually, I, I saw a lot of your threads. And uh, first off, you capitalize every uh, first letter of your word, which I, it always sticks out to me. So keep keep doing that. But no, you were. That's how you write pop- a title there, exactly. guys. That's how you write a title. Okay. Well, okay. The difference no. between a title and a subtitle, everybody. Look, let's get it done. Hey, you know, it's uh, everybody has their own quirks, and I, you know, I'm I'm not uh, a very good writer, I guess. Uh, nor am I a great speaker, but here I'm doing a podcast. But uh, anyway, no, I, I thought your uh, your threads were very positive, and I think you know the board needs to take more of a positive light. This isn't a Butch Jones infallible system, you know, year zero duly kind of stuff. This is a real football coach that, again, maybe this one's on them, like the first tough loss. But you know, you look at uh, what Helton did, and I know you'll talk about it a little bit. I, Again, he did a great game, and I think there's so many positives. I mean, goodness gracious, you lose your best player in your team, supposedly, and, uh, you know, you've got uh, Marcus Tatum going in there at left tackle, and I don't think they missed, you know, missed a beat there. So uh, kudos to Tennessee. But uh, Bleed Orange, what what, did, what were some of your uh, thoughts? Did you get to see all the game, or uh, uh, did you fall asleep yes. on the couch? Or what, what do you think, my friend? Well, you know, I had to go change my depends at halftime and stuff like sure. that. But oh, and no, thank you for that. Actually, we want to make a uh, – we we do have to pay for this. I pay for a monthly fee uh, for the hosting <laughs> software. And, and this week, thank you for that plug there, Bleed Orange. We are sponsored by Depends. Uh, do you need to make that quick change at halftime? Are you Have you had too many beers and, and you don't have a DVR to pause the screen in the middle of a game? <laughs> Where Depends – Bleed Orange approved. All right, so thank you, Bleed Orange. Uh, well, that's also the game a little bit. That's Tennessee Marvel and I both approved. Let's put it that way. <laughs> wow. He's just not. He's not just a spokesman. He's also a lawyer. <laughs> I I prefer to be called spokesperson. Thank okay, you. good. No, thank you. Oh, so. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of questions that could spawn from that. Dude. I don't want this to become a Caitlyn Jenner moment. Lots of questions about you now, too, GT. <laughs> yeah, we're going to open up a can of worms here. I don't hey, think that's going to be the Wednesday podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, no. As far as the, as far as the game is concerned, you know, one of the things I had put up um, on the in the general quarters is this idea of you know when somebody shows you who they are, believe them. Um, you know, I think that our team has been showing us who they are, um, you know, the, before, um, Auburn, who are even our pro football focus grades, you know, showed that the O-line was doing a lot better, not great, but better, uh, in its pass blocking and, uh, versus the run blocking and, you know, coming into the South Carolina game, you know, the feeling was, well, you know, they're they're not so great against the run. So it kind of felt to me like the resistible force against the movable object <laughs> in this kind of a game uh, with our offensive line against their defense. But I thought that Wanham coming back was particularly a concern 
And, um, you know, I think just over the course of the, the game, I, I was hoping that we were, you know, in that pregame dissertation, I was hoping that we would go to some quick throws and, and do some things to possibly frustrate the South Carolina defense and then open the door for us to get the ball downfield some. Um, I know some people have been, you know, commenting about, well, how, you know, we didn't throw to 15 or one downfield much. Um, and I understand that because those are those particularly JJ's got that dog in him to go up and get the ball if he doesn't have the breakaway speed to separate downfield. But, um, you know, we had some trouble downfield, you know, and unfortunately my recollection is that some of those throws downfield were, were short and underthrown and gave the DBs a chance to make some, make some moves on the ball. Um, I didn't, I felt like South Carolina's offense has been more accomplished than our offense. And I didn't want to see us get into a track meet, which, which the second half proved to be. So, um, I was, I'm a little frustrated over, um, we did have, you know, it's a team thing. You know, when you win, you win as a team, when you lose, you lose as a team. And it's not just one person. Um, you know, when Dobbs was here, we all got frustrated because, uh, Dobbs would be inconsistent with his passing. And we, we feel like he'd throw some great passes and other times it's like, you know, there'd be head scratchers. And we saw probably more out of that, out of, from that out of JG in the last game um, than, than we've seen this year. Uh, he had some really bad overthrows and some bad underthrows. Um, what's missing, of course, is that, you know, that I've been puzzled over, and maybe others have an opinion about this, but, you know, this, this super dual threat quarterback that we signed, I just haven't seen it. You know, he did take off one time. Uh, I understand he's beat up, <laughs> so he's not probably in the best shape right now to be running the football, but um, I think that's something that uh, I'd like to see us uh, get into a little bit more over the course of the season if his health holds up. Yeah, I agree. I mean, that whole dual threat thing, um, I think maybe Felipe Franks is a faster runner than JG is, but I'm still well, a big not, JG not fan. Not faster, not faster, <laughs> but... right. More natural. JG is not a natural guy. JG is a guy that you put up on the track and you go to race him, and he torches you, and you're like, "Wow, you're really fast." But then, like, I, you know, I, I, you get on a basketball about- court. I'm, hey, I don't, I don't mean to, I don't mean to go into your realm, but I mean that's, <laughs> I, I, know, I know that, I know that's your arena. Podcast. I, know, I know that's your arena. I'm not trying to. Go- don't, don't, don't get it twisted. I'm not trying to disrespect. Okay, no disrespect. Okay, okay, right. okay. I just want to be no, clear. No disrespect. I got respect on your name. All right. But what I'm saying is, is that you know, JG's not, JG's not elusive. Okay, he's not. He's he doesn't have great agility like in the pocket or even outside hips. the pocket. No fluid hips. Okay, sorry VFF. All right. But, but he does have his great straight line speed. He's a fast guy when he gets going. It just takes him a while to get going. And unfortunately, you need more acceleration and agility in uh, college football than you do just straight line speed. You yeah, know, he, he's not—he's not a natural mm. scrambler either, just from a mentality standpoint. I mean, you know, yeah. I've seen plenty of quarterbacks who, as soon as they get in trouble, like they take off, and that's you know to the offense's detriment. JG's almost the opposite of that. I—he—he's incredibly hesitant to run, um, like down the field. It's, it's frustrating yeah. sometimes, but at the same time, I think, you know, I've always, I don't know how you guys are, but I want my quarterback to get their yards through the air. And uh, mm-hmm. if they're athletic and can run, that's great. But, 
you know, he, there, he just, man, he holds on the ball way too long. And some of those times you just kind of wish he'd just take off. Uh, though, so. though, ironically in this past game, though, we're all going to look at that last play and, you know, you guys all know how I feel. I was like, Oh my God. You got just you got to chuck it wherever it's at. You just got to throw it. But right. or, yeah. I, I, buy some time I, in the pocket. I mean, even okay. So on that, let's just talk about the last play real quick. I mean, let's just jump right in. Right on that last play, I haven't seen the all twenty-two, so I have no idea what he's looking at down the field. Right. But, you're, but his mentality in that play has to be: all right, I have to throw past the sticks or throw just a little bit underneath the sticks, but knowing that my receiver can turn. Which it with every shoulder I put the ball on upfield to get the extra two to get the you know the first down whatever he needs right you got to get the first down you got to throw for it but at the same time you also got to know in that situation I can't take a sack like there's like there's no way yep. I can take a sack so what's better than a sack is just throwing it up in the vicinity of what your wide receiver and saying all right yeah. please help me <laughs> like just help just go catch it right yeah he, so, he could throw it underhanded like a mortar. And I've been fine with it. You just give right. somebody a chance to go out there and catch it. But but what I was gonna say before that was is this game he actually got the ball out of his hands faster on almost every single conceivable throw yes. that he's had to make all year. Whether it was whether it was the touchdown past the wolf, whether it was the he made two plays that I haven't seen JG make in his career, which was the one play where the pocket just collapsed around him. He dodges like two people, and then he just shovel passes it to Jordan, who takes it for eight yards. For that a was pretty play. amazing. That was a great play. And then the other good play that he had was he's, he's got the, whoever the they go to run a screen with Ty Chandler and the <laughs> did not get a good chip on the defensive end who's just blowing God, it up and he to, just sidearms him. Right past him, like oh, it's it's a grounder, but Ty Chandler catches it, turns up field. I think it was like four or five yards on that play. I don't know how many how many he got, but no sacks, not a lot a lost play. There was a couple other plays where he dodged and dangled, and then got back to the line of scrimmage instead of getting sacked for four or five or six. That's this is what JG's gonna do. Okay, he's not gonna he's not gonna do more than this. So if you're expecting that, just stop. It's not gonna happen. That's what he's gonna do. Now he can if he gets better protection, throws it quicker. We'll be in. We'll be in uh, good straights, but he's not going to be Josh Dobbs, guys. I, know I think a lot of his throwing it quicker in this game was by design, right? Right. I yeah, mean, that's what my question was going to be. Was okay. So how much? I think a lot of these were get the ball out of his freaking hands as fast as possible. Get it sideline to sideline. Get it in the playmaker's hands. But then also, I do give him credit on some of those third downs. He made some big. I mean, what was it? Eleven of eighteen, or what are the stats? I, you know, being a bad host here by not having. That's stats all. Was nine of twelve. Right. They were pretty dang good on third down too. So he had to make some big time throws to his guys. Um, but well, I, yeah, I'm it, not. I'm not hating on JG. I'm just saying, I, I I I agree. His presence of mind in several times to find somebody. <laughs> to, to to get it out of his hand um, was impressive, um, and but I I almost feel like they you know I really do feel like they changed the game plan for him, and of course I guess there was a hint on that earlier in the week that they're working on that kind of stuff. No, all good points, and again, JG twenty seven to thirty nine, two hundred seven yards passing, two touchdowns. Um, QBR 67.4, not, you know, terribly great, but, um, I mean, what do you guys think, you know, you, the guy throws the ball 40 times almost, shouldn't he have a little bit more than 200 yards passing? You would assume, right? Well, 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 bash, I'm this is a bash JG night, by the way, I'm A lot just of saying. stuff he had was, uh, a lot of what he had was short field too. 
I mean, look, has, my, my yeah, take on uh, South Carolina, that's their game plan, man. I, you know, the, it, I think even I watched Muschamp's comments after the game. I, they didn't want to give up the deep play. That was their that was their thing. That was right. their goal. That was their game plan. And, you know, obviously the coaching staff has listened to our podcast because we saw a whole bunch of crossing routes, <laughs> Correct. drag routes, like that I feel like we haven't seen. We saw more yesterday than that game that I feel like we've seen all season long. So, you know, Tennessee kind of came out and did that. And, um, you know, if you're going to run those short routes, like it's on the ball carrier or the, or the, or the wide receiver, whoever, to go out and get those extra yards. JG played a good game. You know, he's not – the guy is not going to be an All-American. I think we could probably all admit that at this point. But he's he's not our problem. Our offense wasn't our problem yesterday. They, I, I was really encouraged right. with what I saw. Yeah. I'm, From I'm offense. Seeing, I'm seeing these replays on uh, the ESPN website of the game. And gosh, uh, Jake Bentley, such a douchebag. Like, he thinks he's got heart. He has, you know, not a tenth of what JG has, all the hits he gets. And this guy, ugh. Anyway, I'm, you know, I saw him get tackled. He faked one that time. injury in the end zone when he oh, got yeah. drilled too for the, the one time he and got hit. And then he sprints off the field. It's just yeah, like he uh, won something. Right. I, you know. <laughs> He's Again. trying to get that targeting call. Right. Yeah. He, right. he got hit in the head and he was trying to lay down and get the targeting call. He's, he's flopping a little bit. <laughs> Kudos to Phillips for laying the wood on that one. But uh, you know, oh, he's taking. Oh yeah, and Bentley was down there taking a knee and praising the Lord Almighty for for winning this game, like they won the Super Bowl or something. But uh, that's that's what happens when you play Tennessee. Um, uh, Priestfall, I know we you know we'll we'll go into your segment in a second. But anything you want to add to the uh, the commentary on the game? Anything just high level that you liked that you saw? Yeah, I mean high level. I think this is one of the first games we saw Helton actually call the game to the strength of his offense. Like he right. he we went quick. I mean, we you, you guys previously in some podcasts talked about the previous staff and how they recruited O linemen, but I mean like that's what those O linemen are built for. They're built to pull to get out quick and get the ball out fast. And he finally. He finally let him do that, and it, and it protected him a little bit more, and I think they gained some more confidence throughout the game. But um, you know, I'll touch on it a little more when we get cool. to my, my section. But, you know, the defense was – the, the D-line just amazed me of how, how porous and, and the linebackers as well. I think you know, I, I think you guys touched on it earlier. The, the gap discipline, which I hate saying, is was bad. I mean, they, it didn't matter if it was DK or – or, or Corte Sapp, they just seemed out of position or they would, and this is something we had some friends over last night talking about, like that they run into blocks. Like they run up to block uh, instead of actually Colton running to Jumper the gap. That's only Colton Jumper does that, man. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, he's the only the, – the, That was my biggest complaint awesome. last year. Sorry to interrupt you, but I would always no, you're yell at my dad, like, Colton freaking <laughs> Jumper, always. That's like all he wanted to do was go get swallowed by a block. Like, yeah, where's he, the block? He, where's the block? He is, trust me, he's in. telling the truth there. That was constantly Colton Jumper, Colton Jumper all season. Yep. Yeah, it, but yeah, that, those are some bigger things, and we'll, we'll, we'll highlight some more stuff, but everybody else kind of hit the high notes. Cool. But it was definitely, say, Helton's best game so far. Yeah, no, I think, again, we've, we all kind of ripped on, on, on him, and I, I'm really excited to hear what Power T you know, has to say, what he has to say about Helton. But, again, kudos to Tim Jordan. I think he kind of bounced back. He ran with some aggression, you know, averaging – you know, almost five and a half yards, you know, per carry. Uh, we had a Carlin fills a me, um, you know, and hopefully I said that right for all the Bob Kessling fans. 
Uh, we saw a sighting from him, and, and again, I I've, couldn't be happier for him. Uh, you know, bouncing around from different positions and all that to to be able to go and score a touchdown that was pretty special, I'm sure for him. Mark yeah, West. Hats Callaway. off to that kid. Yeah. Hats off to yeah. that kid. I mean, so, he moved over to DB, right? I mean, look, that's a selfless player. Right. You move over to DB. You you can try to compete there. It doesn't work out for you. Then they move you over to offense midweek, and you answer the call with a touchdown and a couple good carries. I mean, that's great. He, he looked really good. He, he had great. fresh legs. You could tell oh, like, he was ready to be in there. And just this, he would, his speed actually showed up. I know we haven't seen it, but he, he looked like a legit South Florida speedster. Yeah, good. <laughs> good. He's always, to me, He's always looked good whenever he's gotten in the game. I mean, he's one of those. I'm not saying right. that once again, I don't think he's going to be some great player, but, you know, he's not one of those guys that gets in the game. I'm like, get him out and put somebody else back in. Like, it's not guys, like when you put Madre London in he's fullback. A, oh, Madre gosh, London. Right, yeah. He, he's, he's a good bit player. Like, he's, I, I don't, I like him. Wasn't uh, CFA, wasn't he the guy who we needed to bring on to in order to keep Bird's commitment? Yeah. yeah, pretty much. No, I don't I don't right. I don't think that's the story though. I think they were a tandem, but I don't think it was a situation where like, oh, we needed to have Phil's and me in order to bring on Bird. I think it was a nice perk, but I think independently the, the former staff saw them as both being useful. And I do think that CFA when used correctly, um, is an asset to this team. I mean, I right. think his his role should continue to, to grow because now the defense they only not they not only have to look at Todd Chandler as somebody who can outrun them around the edge or make somebody miss and get upfield but I mean you gotta look at CFA too I mean that's another I element tell you that what we I'd have. like to see out of CFA and maybe Hilton can incorporate this into a game plan just to see what it looks like uh, hey Charlotte. don't steal my thunder yeah, though. don't steal if... my thunder <laughs> easy well, easy um, you've been reading his notes haven't you around. so you get it on a get him on the linebacker and just outrun him Right. No, what, again, I know you've been reading Power T's notes. So, <laughs> no, no, I, I'm not, one, I'm not sure how good CFA's hands are. I'm not going to, I don't, right. I don't know if I'm ready to throw him a 40 yard bomb and, and like have him go up there and get it. I can oh. trust Todd, but I, I think he, he might have a little, some bricks in them. You know what I mean? That would be cool. I'd love to, you know, and that's maybe that's again for another discussion, how we don't, I, again, I, I guess we don't have many speedsters we've discussed on some of the other podcasts, but it'd be great to exploit some of those, you know, put someone in the slot against a linebacker or something and, and try to exploit some speed. But uh, one thing, speaking of speed, that I think that has, I don't know if it's been overlooked or, or whatnot, but, you know, I think we got really um, spoiled with uh, Mr. Barry returning kicks and uh, to put us in amazing field position and or flip the field, score touchdowns, etc. cetera. Um, he was just an absolute playmaker for us in, in the butch years. And now – you know they don't even. I guarantee Pruitt says, you, "I don't care if it's at the five. You, you fair catch that thing." And you know because we've had so many fumbles and our, our special teams on kick returns, I would say, have been pretty weak. Um, and you know I think that was there's some hidden yardage you know there that we could be getting, but we're not. I don't know if we're poorly coached there or what, but um, it, I would have liked for us to at least take it out a couple of times. I think we fair caught every single kickoff. Um, that, so that's just my opinion. Well, who's, took one who's, out, your, who's your kick returner? Georgia Chandler. Tech? Yeah. Well, no, I mean, Chandler? I, I don't know who our kick – that's my thing. I don't we need to not have Chandler on kick return. That's I, the dumbest thing. I, think it, I don't I think, think we have dumb. one. I, right. I have yet to – I don't think Chandler's a good kick returner. I mean, I, you Did know – Did we uh, look at Mark Will Osborne during the uh, during fall camp at that? 
I don't, we got to find, I mean, maybe there isn't anybody, right? And maybe Pruitt's just seen that there's literally, what about like a Murphy or something like that? Get yeah, some, Jordan like, Murphy. Somebody. No, I'm telling you the me. kid. You know, oh, that, oh that might not be a bad one. Phil's to me. But I'll tell you the yeah. one kid is that um, the safety who came from like, uh, how was it? Um, Franklin Road. Flowers. or is it? No, it's the, not the flowers. E, the walk-on guy? The walk-on, the walk-on kid. Say, the E-ron, is it Eron or Eon? I don't Something know. Like but anyways, that. put yeah. that fast kid back there and see what he can do. <laughs> right. I'm serious. Like, the, I'm a big believer in your kick return and being somebody who can catch the ball securely, one, who's got good carriage ability, right, all right? and then just has that, you know, that cluck it in him. You know, he's just going to go out there and do it, right? He's right. just going just gonna to do it. And just run full head, full seam ahead, you know, toward a brick wall. That's who you got to have for <laughs> right. a kick returner. That's the one that's going to be Eric, good because they're going to find the Eric yeah. Gray. Eric Gray, Alante Taylor. Oh, Alante Taylor would be mm. cool. I, I mean, I, you know, I, I'm sure the the coach staff has He's thought about fast. this, but I, you know, I just I look back. Chandler's, what he can catch the ball. I guess. I, has anybody <laughs> anybody that's seen Chandler return kicks? Do you guys think that guy's a good kick returner? Well, he did have a kick return for a touchdown against Indiana State. I think that <laughs> okay, okay. A lot of the product. I think a, I think the fair catching for this game was a product of last game. Um, you know, Chandler was like, oh, am I supposed to fair catch it? Am I not supposed to fair catch it? There's just a lot of confusion on the kickoffs uh, with Alabama. And I think a lot of the fair catching just simply came from that, uh, being right. afraid to make that kind of mistake. And, well, we made mistakes mm-hmm. in other areas instead. Well, kind of wrapping this thing up, you know, I, I think all really good points. I, I think the, the feeling from the program is we let one slip away. Muschamp still owns us for whatever reason. Oh, I can't. Like, I have a dartboard in my office with Muschamp's face on, and I, I, nice. I just can't stand the guy. Um, it's a it's a daily battle him. between he and uh, Kirby Smart, of whom, whom I hate the most. I don't want to say hate, dislike, excuse me. Um, I hate. <laughs> pounding thrill <laughs> hates Kirby Smart and Muschamp. No, um, uh, Muschamp is my least favorite SEC uh, coach. Period. It's not even close. He's right. just—he's got a vibe about him that just eats at me. I can't. Well, and then, all right, real quickly. I'm sorry because we're not discussing the Charlotte game because we all know that's going to be a win. But like, okay, really quickly, didn't wasn't there a recruit that went on a, a official visit when we played South Carolina? And he was just dog cussing Tennessee, and like it was. Does anybody yeah. remember that he was in the locker room just trashing us? And I thought it was J.C. Horn. I don't. There was somebody, and he it was may like, have I was so, Horn. He was like, I was so turned off by what Muschamp was doing, and he put it out into like quotes and everything. So um, anyway, I just I have that's a question for Uncle Austin. Right. We'll have to yeah, yeah, that's actually a good point. We'll we'll maybe ask Uncle Austin when he joins. And everybody you're at you you know, we're kinda halfway through. We will have Austin Price on at some point when he gets done with his television, his high end television programming, if he remembers to join us, we will have Austin Price um on on the podcast tonight. So anyway, great breakdown guys of the game. Like I said, um it was a tough loss it really was we know we all know we should have won that game and for whatever reason there's some curse with with uh with regards to mr will Muschamp. so we got to figure out you know ptc if you can do some kind of voodoo thing i don't know like shake a you know doll or something and poke some pins in a will Muschamp bobblehead or something like that, that i got you out. so 
Um, that being said, let's go uh, Power T if you're cool with us going into the If I Were Helton because I think that was some good conversation. I want to kind of hear what you thought went well. I know we talked about some of the good things, but really kind of go in depth about um, what you saw that you liked and what you would do kind of moving forward for the rest of the season with, uh, with Mr. Helton. So first off, I'm going to give him an A+. Plus. I mean, I really thought he called a fantastic game. I thought we had fantastic offensive balance, uh, both in terms of throwing on first down or running on first down. The second down play calling was exceptional. Um, and I really thought that what he did on third down was also uh, extremely well done. Um, I really just have nothing but high marks for Helton. So if I were him, I'd, I'd take this play, uh, this game plan, uh, and rinse, repeat on it and I think moving forward what yeah. we want to do is we want to take some of these concepts here and 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 really just just dress them up different formationally I mean we saw you know being more multiple on first down we saw more crossing routes we saw some intermediate uh, play action that 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 worked we saw JG get outside the pocket a couple times we used the swing pass on first down um, very, very well, so much so that South Carolina's defense was having to change schematically what it was doing, which opened up um, some some throws um, underneath um, their zone uh, umbrella. Um, and I thought, I thought we, you know, we trusted JG to get the ball out of his hands quickly. Um, and I thought he did a good job of, of changing protections from what it, from what at least what I, from what I could tell, um, and changing plays and getting us in some good plays. Um, whenever it was clear that he was making an audible. I mean, I think some of the things that held the offense back, um, and, and I know that once we got in the game, he was playing well enough that maybe some people forgot, but I remember the week before this kid had some bruised ribs. And really when I saw on those, those deep out passes, I saw somebody when they were throwing to their right was having a really hard time with their natural motion. It just seemed to me that JG, whenever he was throwing to his right, especially longer than, you know, 10 to 15 yards and on those out routes to Palmer. It just didn't look like he felt good making that pass. And I, and I, have to, and I think that that comes down to uh, the bruised ribs that he had. I mean, I'm not – you know, that's one excuse that you can make for the kid. Um, he also could have just been missing. But normally in previous games I've seen him make that throw, um, and we've never really heard anything to suggest that he can't make that throw. So that's kind of my takeaway on that piece. Um, I mean, look, what they did with CFA was fantastic, as we've discussed on the on the um, on the pod so far. Uh, it was a great wrinkle. South Carolina couldn't have seen it coming, um, and you're able to utilize a player who had begun showing good promise at the running back position before he was moved over. He's an athlete. He's fast. He's going to help this offense. Um, how he does that exactly. I mean, I think how you saw, and I think if they can start working him into the short passing game, um, see how good his hands are there, uh, that would be great. I think the one thing that we were missing this game, as everybody's noticed it, and, and GT, you pointed out with if you go 27 for, was it 27 for 39 or 22 for 39? It was, really quickly, 27 for 39 for 207. Right. If you go 27 for 39, I mean, you're averaging less, you know, it's, you're averaging, I think, 5.3 yards an attempt. Wow, um, stop it. You, 
you had that written down, didn't you? Because I was exactly on. So good job. <laughs> hey man, I just you know I, I, I looked it up early and I was remembering. You know, he's like, I got a sharp mind up here. Anyways, but you know if you if you're only throwing the ball, you know underneath ten yards, you know all the time, like you're gonna want to hit those big shots. And we had some opportunities to do so. Um, you know, bleed orange. You're right. The ball was not thrown in stride on a lot of these passes, and I've had debates with people on the board about this. But I thought that the balls that were thrown to Palmer on the two times, I thought those were catchable balls. Even on the pass interference, Carl Horn was hanging all over him. Right, they were. Um, those were catchable balls. I mean, the, the the second the second one I think was on our last drive, or the second either second to last drive or last drive, where we tried to take a big shot. I mean, that thing hit him in the chest and fell right through his legs. Um, you know, and right. yes, it it wasn't in stride over his shoulder, dropped into a bucket where he could keep on running for a touchdown. But at the same time, like, look, you got to help your quarterback out. You got to make plays. Your your job as a wide receiver is to catch the ball. If it hits you in the hands and you have the inside position on a defender, I'm going to expect you to come down with that ball unless it's just of the top 10th degree of difficulty in catches, and those catches just weren't. Now, JG, his accuracy was waning on a lot of those back shoulder throws that we saw in Auburn, I think he led the he led Callaway out of bounds a little too much on a couple of throws. Um, but I thought for a kid who we didn't know if he would be playing in this game because of the uh, the shot that he took at Alabama for a kid that didn't finish the game against Alabama, I thought he played very well. And I thought Tyson Hilton and him are they're getting very synergistic now. They're really starting to see eye to eye, and I think it's going to help this team out moving forward. Um, it, it's just a matter of making some of those bigger those beer plays down the field. So I think moving forward, if we can just see some skinny posts mixed in with some of these intermediate crossing routes, especially if they can um, be designed to come off the same route stem. And by, for you football uneducated people, Me. the route stem is the uh, very beginning of the route, usually between one to five yards. Your stem for a, say, a go route and for a hitch route, hitch meaning you go five yards and stop, they're going to look they're gonna look to be the same. That's why you see a lot of people run those stop and goes. Um, and so – that's the type of, of, of routes that I'd like to see moving forward, building on what we did well in the South Carolina game. And if we do that, we're going to create a lot of defensive confusion. We're going to be able to be multiple. And you're going to see what happened in the run game this week, which was South Carolina didn't know we were going to throw a pass. So they weren't able to stack the box. They need to keep their big, their, um, their covered shell deep which is one of the reasons why we didn't hit those big plays. But one of the things right. that enabled us to do was to run it right down their throats, off tackle, in the A-gap, running zone. Let's keep on doing that, and we're going to be successful. And ladies and gentlemen of VolQuest General Quarters and some of you on the Big Orange Blazer Club, this is why you pay nine ninety five a month, what you just heard right there. <laughs> Power T, good stuff. Uh, one question I do have, I mean – Again, I think this is a big growth moment for Helton as an offensive coordinator. The game plan, I thought it was just absolutely phenomenal, as we've all discussed. Um, does this continue? Any other – I know you said there are some changes, but does he try to do the same thing, or is this just a scheme thing specifically for South Carolina? Um, do you think do you think they'll revert back to trying to run the ball, you know, 50 times against Charlotte and try to get back to a run game, or um, was this just a, a one-time anomaly? No, I, I think this is what we're going to see moving forward, to be quite honest. I, I, you've, you've seen elements that were used in the South Carolina game building from week to week. And so in the Auburn game, we saw the explosion of the back shoulder throw. Um, you know, it, against Alabama, we saw 
the the use of some of these and, and against Auburn, the use of the tunnel screens, wide receiver screens out to like Jennings. This was the week where we saw crossing routes by the third wide receiver in a formation usually taken. So like if Callaway or Jennings were lined up at X, which is typically the farthest receiver out on the left side of your formation, um, you could change whatever. Anyways, they dragged him across on a crossing route. And what that did was it created a mismatch between the corner that's guarding him. And if they're in a zone, it requires the defense to pass off their zones efficiently. And, and college kids just typically just don't do it very well. So we got our best playmakers in space in a way that confused the defense that prevented them from just going solo or running like a cover three match with a cornerback on a, on a wide receiver deep down and down the field. And we enabled them to make plays. I think you're going to continue to see that because teams that play Tennessee, one, they know that we got big, tall wide receivers. Most of them are over six, two over 200 pounds. They can body you. They can out jump you. If you get locked up man to man with the Tennessee wide receiver, I think, for the rest of the season especially, I think there's a 55 to 60% chance that if a good ball is thrown, we're going to come down with it. And it's just a matter of us having protection and, and, and that ball being thrown accurately. So what South Carolina decided to do was they rarely played man-to-man, um, and they rarely brought man blitzes from what I saw. It was zone blitzing, and it was zone coverage in the back. And what that did was they were like, all right, well, JG, if you're going to throw this thing deep, you're going to throw it into two or three guys. Because we're gonna, that's what we're that's what we're gonna do. So I think you know, moving forward, I think you're gonna see Helton do a lot more zone beating uh, um, uh, uh, routes and, and route Crossings, combinations. Digs, slants. Yep, you're gonna see a lot Drag. more zone confusers. Um, some eagle routes, some smash routes, some spot routes, um, some smash digs. You're gonna see a lot of those good stuff, and and I think it's gonna work out to our advantage. So I, I expect to see JG's numbers improve dramatically moving forward, and for Tyson Hilton to seem like the uh, one million dollar OC that we paid him to oh. be. Man, that there's so many threads on that. Uh, go ahead, bleed orange. You had something. Power T, you know, you're talking about, you know, and I, I understand their coverages were set up. Uh, Tennessee has this year, as evidenced in the game. Uh, against South Carolina, they'll shoot themselves in the foot. Uh, we had some, particularly uh, against South Carolina, we had some undisciplined things going on. And, uh, you know, they got two or three guys back there. So, you know, there are people on the board who are saying, how come they didn't throw it to number one and number 15 deep? Um, well, now you're looking at number one and number 15, having two or three guys draped on them, trying to knock the ball away. That's exactly um, right. So then you go to what's next. All right, who's our speed guy, you know, that maybe can get past the deep coverage. And then you're looking at Murphy, right? Now you're looking at Murphy. So, you know, some of these, some of the stuff that we see on the board, you know, is kind of, kind of oriented towards that. We all get it that, uh, you know, JJ's our dog and, you know, just send him in the fight and throw him the ball and he'll come down with it somehow. Um, but not every game is Georgia, <laughs> you know? and uh, you're not always going to do that. And but you also mentioned too about uh, JG not throwing naturally on a few routes. Uh, would that then go back to the coaches as to why were they calling these routes? Um, I'm curious actually for us to ask Austin really how much is he injured? Now, 
maybe Austin doesn't know. Well, I'm you're sure not they have. So. Yeah, I know. I, I, I think that's probably fairly guarded uh, information. But, um, you know, why are they letting him throw routes that maybe are, are pretty tough for him to throw? He just, he just didn't seem to me to be comfortable making that deep out to the right. Yeah. Um, I, he, I mean, and he, we know this kid's got arm strength, you know. He, right. He, he, he right. can throw it very accurately and very far. I mean, so in, to me, it just seemed like it, the ball was sailing high on him a lot mm-hmm. this game and I and I think that really comes from his ribs and the injury and I think him getting the ball out of his hands quickly and I think it, on the flip side I actually think it helped him get the ball out of his hands quickly on a lot of those routes like I mean I think and I think he'd been coached all week dude you got to throw the ball we can't have you taking the shots now he still took a lot of shots um right. and speaking of which we've got to get a, a, a rough in the passer call when they drive our quarterback in the background. It's, it's ridiculous. They yeah. lift and drive every time. And it's like, right. come on. Like, are you kidding me? That's, that's an aside. But, I mean, the one thing that I would like to see Hilton try to do moving forward, and this is all dependent on the O-line protecting, because South Carolina made the gamble yep. that if we take and we cloud the zone in the back, we can basically create covered sacks because he won't have anywhere to go in the first, like, three steps of the drop. So then he's mm-hmm. got to sit there and read, and by that time we'll have collapsed the pocket on their weekend offensive line. Now what ended up happening was is JG for the most part and Helton for the most part schemed up a game where he could get the ball out of his hands quickly, where he could make mm-hmm. plays that way, and that never became an issue. Now it became an issue on the last play of the game because you have to throw it deep. But um, one of the plays mm-hmm. I'd like to see him try to run is if you have Jennings on one side out to the far right, say he's your Z, and you have – Callaway out to the far left, but you're in like basically you're in shotgun with two wide receivers on each side. I'd like to see one of the inside receivers run that crossing route to be that check down again. But then I'd mm-hmm. like to see Jordan Murphy run a skinny post, yes. whether it's to Callaway's side or to um or to or or to Jennings side, and but also have a running play which also works off that, so that you're constantly having that play action to the side of the safety that you want that's going to be on the post, so that they have to come down and try to fill that run gap. And if you can do that, I'm guaranteeing you one time this year, Jordan Murphy's going to run straight past that strong safety or free safety that's supposed to be accounting for him, and we can mm-hmm. hit that thing in stride for a big touchdown. I mean, hey. if not, then you throw your cro- you throw your uh, your comeback routes on the outside or your crosser, and then just keep moving. Hey, Power okay, let me let me ask Qu- you this: this this is kind of the big question I have so far. Why does our offense not use your tight ends at all? I mean, mm-hmm. when you're watching our, our our the routes that we're running, things like that, is that is or is that on the players? Because I just, I mean, even if like Eli mm-hmm. Wolf, his problem. He said he's not a good blocker, right? But, I mean, as a pass catcher, that's kind of his strength. And we've seen almost zero involvement from the tight ends uh, schematically. That, and that's been somewhat frustrating. I think you look at it this way. So your tight end is most effective when you can use them like Gronk or Kelsey or Ertz, right? Where, like, they're going to be cracking people's heads on the line blocking. But then that same blocking motion then turns into a seam route up the middle or it turns into a corner route, or it turns into a drag or a spot or, or something. O.J. Howard, thinking of two right. that we Witten, Witten. Or Jason Witten, excuse me. He's in the booth now. I forgot about him. There Anyways, you go. There uh, you go. Uh, uh, forgive me, Vol Nation. Um, but I think we saw them try to use DWA 
um, Dominique Wood Anderson in that way earlier in the season, and I just don't think he was ready for it. I mean, we split him out wide and threw fade routes to him. We had him on the inline blocking. Then he would shift out, kind of flex, and then run a corner route and didn't come down with it. And I think with Eli Wolf, what you're seeing, you're seeing a guy who can catch the ball extremely well. But if the, if the, if the debate is between an Eli Wolf or a Brandon Johnson or an Eli Wolf or a Josh Palmer or an Eli Wolf or a Jordan Murphy, and they're both all going to be flexed out wide, are you going to pick Eli Wolf in that scenario versus one of those other receivers who's a little bit faster, who has just as good hands? No. No, I'm not going to pick him, but I mean, you know, that's but that's that's not the point of a tight end position, right? I mean, if you're exactly talking about right. who's the better pass catcher, then it's going to be a wide receiver. But, you know, the whole idea of a tight end and a fullback on some level is that, you know, you put the defense in a bad position where they have to decide, do I want to put in a personnel for a run, you know, for, you know, run dominant? Or, like, basically, do I want to have a DB or a linebacker covering them? Exactly. And if it's you're a right. linebacker then fine. Then if you've got an athletic enough tight end and you send them out and you make them defend against the pass, if you go and bring a safety in there and have them cover them, then you're going to run the ball down their throat. And what I haven't seen from Helton so far, and I just pulled up the stats from the West Virginia game because I feel like I remember Dominic Wood Anderson earlier on in the season thinking, all right, this guy's going to be what we thought he was. And then he's done nothing basically since then. But in the West Virginia game, he only had one catch for one yard. So I don't know what game I'm actually trying to recall. But I, you, you remember know, him last night would have been a pass. say what? You remember him catch the touchdown pass? That's right. It was. You're right. I'm looking at right the, the eye formation. Yep. And it was just like yes, finally. But I mean, you know, fine. They took away like our outside option with with the defense they were running yesterday and. It just seems like that's kind of that should have been a prime territory for our tight end to kind of you know run those seam routes, outs, drags. Let 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 him do something, and then just I don't know. It, it does seem like Helton is building his offense, and if you've got some input on that, I'd love to hear it. But I don't ever remember seeing. I'm a 49ers fan who's had God knows how many offensive coordinators in the last decade. Mm-hmm. And Tennessee's had our fair share. <laughs> I've never seen an offense develop quite like Helton's has where it's one week all of a sudden we get the back shoulder throw that we haven't seen before and it becomes a staple and then the next week he That's adds a whole new dimension to it and it's 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 kind of building and I I hope it it's building towards an offense where all these things are happening every week instead of back shoulder throw one week and, and something but I that, I don't know I, I I thought you know South Carolina was was great on the offensive side that game yesterday. We should spend more time talking about the defense because the defense is what lost us that damn game yesterday. And just <laughs> eats Trying up. to stay positive here. I don't want to be positive. I, I mean, I do want to be positive because I really right. do like walk away from that game feeling yeah. you know, positive for the most part because – and here's something that, yeah, here's how I've worded it to my buddies when I was talking to them on the phone this morning about the game. South Carolina is the first team we've played this season that was evenly matched, right? Everybody else we've played, we've either been heavily favored or heavily, you know, an underdog. Now, I know we had eight point spread, but, I, you know, I thought South Carolina, we're, that's an even matchup. And, we, and the game played out like that, and we ended up not closing the deal. But, for the most part, I was really encouraged how everything went, but it's uh, it's 
it's it's it's really frustrating that our offense made all the strides that I wanted them to make, and that side of the ball played out exactly how I wanted it to, and our defense just took a giant step back for run defense, which I, I felt like was kind of starting to be what I what I was hoping they were going to be. They let us down big time yesterday. Oh, yeah, I mean, all good 100%, points. 100%. I thought maybe we can see the rest of this time to if we were Helton or, excuse me, if we were Pruitt um, <laughs> briefly. And, I, and, you know, to be quite honest, I think he's just hamstrung by injuries. Mm-hmm. I, I, just, I just don't – when I think about the defensive side of the ball, the only thing that I can think about is, all right, DeAndre Johnson – all right, Jordan Allen. <laughs> All right, Austin Smith. All right, maybe mm. even a J.J. Peterson. One of y'all is going to have to step up and fill the shoes of Jonathan Kongbo, which is it's mm-hmm. crazy to think about from the first of the season to now. Um, but I think the loss of Kongbo at Auburn has really been debilitating to that front seven because I think, if anything, he was a big and body. would have thought that? He's a big body who got in the way. And if not, he sometimes made plays, you know, but generally he just – he was there. And what I saw against South Carolina was I saw a defense and a linebacking core just searching for an answer like anybody and just can you jump in and help us. And I don't think that, you know, moving down the down the rest of the schedule, the team that concerns him the most is a Kentucky because they're just mm-hmm. going to say yeah. – they're going to pin their ears back and be like, all right, we're just going to run it at you because we can't throw it, so – um, we're just going to run it at you. And then when Kentucky does throw it, all they're going to do is going to be a deep post route. It's going to attack your weakest safety, and they're going to try to mm-hmm. run in behind them because that's all you can throw. And, again, I mean, losing Trayvon Flowers, losing Micah Abernathy, I mean, mm-hmm. like like paging Theo Jackson, paging uh, Sean <laughs> Schamberger. Mm-hmm. Like, if you guys don't step up over these next few games, you are done at Tennessee. It's just a fact because he's recruiting over you as we speak. And that's, I mean, they've got to step Perfect. up. Like, I love TK Jr. I mean, I oh. love him, you know, yep. family, friend, VFL. Like, but yeah, he just doesn't have the speed that he oh. he even used to have. And, I mean, it showed. I mean, on that play that Balin got beat, I'm not so sure that TK Jr. was not supposed to be the safety high for him there. And that, he was. I just, you know, and I, and then, and then again on the one where Elante Taylor from the backside just sprints the kid down. I mean, that had to run him down from twenty yards away. That was a that was a visual in Tennessee speed if I've ever seen one right there. Oh yeah, Howard T. No on way T. K. going on that one play oh. where T. K. was giving chase. Not only was the receiver just flat running away from him, but um, Nigel. Came track, came blasting by TK, trying to track him down himself. I mean, it just was really sad. And when I say sad, I'm, it is sad that the poor young man has had all the injuries that he's had. That is really sad. Yeah, it's, no, it's uh, man. If we could just get his head and his experience and his knack for the football into somebody else's body, that'd be awesome. Yeah, yeah I mean, but it, you know. <clears throat> We can yep. talk about the safeties and their pass coverage, but you know the reason we lost that game is straight up because our run defense. I, you know, they just they didn't they had one pass play that killed us, yep. right? But other than that, it was just they just ran it down our throats, and our safeties were a big part of that. But that's them and the linebackers. There, how many times last night did you know were you guys watching and you just saw a guy take a terrible angle 
and you're just pulling your hair out where it should have been maybe a two-yard loss, and it ends up being a 15-yard gain. Yeah, uh, I mean, the ball's hey guys, getting spilled. We'll break in here, but uh, looks like Uncle Austin has yeah, been able so, to join uh, us. Let's go ahead and move on and uh, get, it, get him on here. Get yeah. some good insight from behind the scenes. Yeah, thanks, go. PTC. And Austin, thank you so much, man, for joining. I know uh, you've got uh, – you're in show business and television and – you know, wearing bow ties on TV, so we appreciate you spending <laughs> some time on the lowly uh, Fall Quest fan podcast. Thanks for joining so late, too. Hey, thank you, guys. Good to meet you. Yeah, yeah glad to have you on, AP. Good to have you, Austin. An honor, AP. Yeah, an it's, honor. A, it's yeah. an honor, and uh, we're, we're glad to have you on here, and uh, you do so much for the board. And, and honestly, I, I will say, too, that uh, – you know, with some of the changes and subtractions and additions, you have really stepped up your game over the past couple of years. So kudos on that. You've really done a Amen. great job. So, yeah. Um, so thank you for joining. Um, I will pass it to the rest of the group. If anybody has any questions for Austin uh, around recruiting or the team in general um, or any insider information, there's one person we can't probably can't talk about, but if anybody has any other questions around that, um, if anybody <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I got one for you, AP. I know you're uh, doing your locker room second to everything. What have you got a chance to really talk to the team and see where they are as far as mentally, morally, what they think they uh, need to improve coming off this loss? Where, to be honest with you, we, that game we should have won, but I think there's a couple of things that just just went wrong for us. How how do they feel? Well, I think the team is in a good mental mindset. I mean, this is a group that, you know has a little bit more self-belief under Jeremy Pruitt than it did last year under Butch Jones. Um, uh, you know, I, I've talked about on our podcast at VolQuest, you know, for months now about the mental scars. And a lot of those mental scars are defensively, um, you know, and, and I, I think this group's really bought into what, you know, Coach Pruitt wants to get done. Um, you know, obviously the margin of error is, is razor thin. I mean, you know, Tennessee has almost 40 minutes of time of possession. They win the turnover battle they complete almost 70% of their third downs and still lose the football game. And that tells you, you know, what has to happen for Tennessee to win the football game. And, uh, you know, obviously some calls went against Tennessee, um, you know, on, on Saturday. And, you know, I know Coach Pruitt's been in contact with the SEC office today and, and you know, and, and been in contact with, you know, the head of the officials, um, Steve Shaw, just about, you know, some of the calls that went down, um, but at the same time, it's you know, it's water under the bridge. You know, you got to move on. Got to get ready for Charlotte. It's a Charlotte team that, you know, beat Southern Miss and uh, you know has pretty good team speed. So uh, Tennessee will have to be ready to play Saturday, and then you know, hope to close it out strong. The final three conference games, starting with uh, two at home against Kentucky and Missouri. Um, what do you think about us going forward? Can you preview what we need to do? as far as schematics wise, where we uh, can really kind of move forward. I mean, Charlotte, I'm not really too worried about that game. I think maybe we'll see some uh, run from some guys who haven't really gotten a lot of playing time. Maybe he's in search for some answers at safety. I don't think TK Jr. right now is the answer. Um, but what do you think going forward, Mizzou, Kentucky, Vandy? What do you see any changes, if any, or um, – how we get through those games and pull out wins. Well, I think you have to hope you can get somebody back at safety, whether that's Mike Abernathy, whether that's Trayvon Flowers. And right now I would say it's more likely that Trayvon Flowers is back 
sooner than Mike Abernathy. And, uh, you know, uh, when I look at, you know, Tennessee's, you know, as far as like run on Saturday, as you talked about, you know, the safeties, you know, I just kind of think TK is where, you know, where they're going to go. I, you know, I don't think there's any trust in Sean Schamberger um, or Theo Jackson. And, you know, Schamberger did not make the trip to Georgia after he missed, you know, uh, you know, a team meeting. Uh, has been in Jeremy Pruitt's doghouse for seemingly his entire Pruitt's entire you know ten months on the job. So you know I I, I think Todd Kelly Jr. will be kind of the way they go until they get Trayvon Flowers back. And you know I think there's some great belief that he's back from Missouri. And I think the coaching staff holds out hope that he's back for Kentucky. And you know uh, you know I look at that back end of that defense right now, and it's it, it's a weak link. You know, and could it be a little bit better? Um, you know, if they get flowers back, I think there's there's no doubt. But at the same time, you don't want to rush somebody back from a collarbone injury too soon because you could end up having Agreed. a re-break. But, uh, you know, I, I think Tennessee, you know, has to find a way to make more plays, um, you know, especially along the defensive line. Daryl Taylor needs to show up. And then they've got to find a, an answer at linebacker. And I, I just – I'll be shocked if you don't see more Jeremy Banks going forward. I, I know, you know, when talking to some people over there, there's some great frustration with – just, you know, where they're at at linebacker. And that's why they moved Banks um, and made the move, you know, last week. And I, I think that they had every intention of playing Jeremy Banks yesterday. And then South Carolina kind of changed some things up with what they do offensively. And the staff did not want to put Jeremy out there in a situation where he could be the reason Tessie loses the game because, you know, the things he had worked on all week to get ready for South Carolina, South Carolina was not doing in that football game. Hey Austin, wow. when it comes to linebackers, I mean, is is do you think that's just not? Is that our? I'm sorry, this is pounding thrill, by the way. But um, is is that possible? Our linebackers not buying in? Are they just a bad scheme fit? Because you know, going in this season, I felt like that definitely wasn't going to be a weakness, and it's really developed into just uh, arguably our biggest weakness right now. Well, I think they're just thin there. Um, you know, you know, obviously Darren Kirkland. I mean. Darren Kirkland, you know, and, and I asked him about this after the game, you know, uh, he, he doesn't practice really all week long and then, you know, finds a way to play on Saturdays. The training staff works with him all week, gets him ready to play, and then he plays. And, uh, you know, obviously Corte Sapp, you know, has some acclaim, but, you know, is consistently making plays. He's just not there. But Thule, um, same thing. You know, I, you know, I think Daniel Batuli is, is a good player, but, you know, he's got to be more consistent. And, you know, after that, there's a huge drop-off. Willie, I, you know, <laughs> it's easy for me to use your all screen names. I mean, NYC Ball wants to debate me about the 2016-17 class. <laughs> there we go. Okay, this is why we brought you on, Austin. Yes. All right. And, I, and I've Here told we. him. The Empire Strikes Back. I, I, I've told him, Will Ignat, well, listen, you know, I, I'll be the first to say, Jeremy Pruitt's comments at halftime of Alabama were the greatest, you know, affirmation of anything that I've said about those two classes. Um, but I've told him, you know, in, in private messages, you know, you want to tout Will Ignat, but, you know, are we, are we handing out participation trophies? Because he plays, you know. <laughs> oh, no. Let's hey, like, face it, he, he, it's a struggle for Will at times. And so I just think after the top three, there is a fall off. And that's why they made the move with Banks. I think that's why they're trying to get J.J. some kind of ready for down the stretch. 
but uh, you know they've they've got to figure some stuff out at linebacker because right now you know as much as you know Kirkland has done for the program, he's really on a bad wheel. I mean, like like I said, if you can't practice all week, but mm-hmm. you're playing, you're probably not playing at your highest level because your right. your your legs that bad during the week. They're just trying to get him to the game, and that's every week. Well, when you you know you look at uh, one of the things we talked about early, this is uh, bleed orange. And by the way, you've got to stop in down here on the way down to the Masters and get in around the golf at Reynolds, all right? Well, Dad, he's he's not gonna. This is George Techval. He's Austin's not gonna do that when he doesn't go to Hibachi with me when he's in Orlando. He never tells me. <laughs> so, what do you think he's gonna go play golf with you? Come on now, who wants to go golf well, or Hibachi? So, I guess we had some conversation earlier in the evening about um, how JG is doing. Um, you know we hear, quote, sore ribs, okay? You know, I mean, there's people, I've had broken ribs from football and I couldn't breathe. Uh, I mean, just how sore are his ribs? Is this uh, power T was suggesting he thought he may have seen a a little hint of hurting his throwing motion and getting some of his balls downfield. What what is your sense of that? I think Jared's fine. I think it's just a pain tolerance thing. You know, I mean, sore ribs obviously are not ideal. But uh, I didn't think it hurt his velocity. Uh, I don't even think it hurt his accuracy. I just think he was off a little bit. I mean, he just continued to miss high, uh, you know, yesterday. You know, there was, you know, about three plays where I thought he missed, you know, on, on opportunities for, you know, probably about 15-yard passes down the field, a couple of them to Palmer. And then, of course, Jared had a couple of balls that were dropped, you know, most notably mm-hmm. by one by Marquez Callaway. So, you know, I, I didn't think the throw game was that bad. Um, you know, I – Jared's got to get it out quicker. Um, you know, I know people clamor for, you know, for Keller Christ, but, you know, Keller Keller doesn't play for a reason, you know. And I, I think that, you know, Coach Pruitt went into the game thinking he was going to play Keller Chris some. Um, and then just kind of got – once they got into the flow of the game and Jared was playing decent, I, I don't think he wanted to rock the rhythm, you know, because Jared did, you know, play well pretty, you know, pretty early in that football game and then, right. you know, held on to it late and, then, you know, ended up taking the – the sack there on the fourth down, but I mean, you you go back. I mean, if Tennessee doesn't get the procedural penalty and they're in fourth and five, you know that changes how you call that play. You know, and right. it honestly changes you know the ability for Jarrett. While I, you know he's not Josh Dobbs, you know, could he have stepped up mm-hmm. and gained five yards? You know, on that play, if if things broke down, I think mm-hmm. you know there was a chance that that could have happened. And so I just think you know you go back and the nine penalties and eight of them on offense. You know, Tennessee's offense just can't have that if they're going to be successful. And so I, I don't think Jarrett's, you know, sore ribs caused him to, you know, have accuracy issues. I just think, you know, it was it was an off night for him. But, I mean, let's face it, he almost completed almost 70% of his balls. And I know they, you know, they a lot of them were short. But, I mean, a couple of those throws were still, you know, long throws because they're throwing from one side of the field all the way to the other side, even though they're only, you know, throwing it four yards down the field. And he's still fixing in some tight windows, too. Well, so we all know what what your code is, Austin, when you say, like, we think we're in a really good place with somebody. Everybody's already gotten written them down. Okay, the story's written and all that stuff, right? (laughs) So you say that Chris is not playing for a reason. What is not playing for a reason? I mean, what is, what is, and this is not hating on JG at all, right? This is just, you know, we see that JG's hurt. Uh, Chris came out, did well against Alabama in his appearance, and you think, okay, so what is what is the reason? What what separates the two in your mind, and why is one playing versus the other? 
Well, it's arm strength. It's, you know, the fact that, you know, Keller does not practice really well. You know, I mean, hmm. and, and Jeremy's a big guy, you know, and look, I, I, I think Josh Dobbs is, is absolutely the exception. You know, the one guy that, you know, could, never was that great of a practice player, but on Saturdays was a gamer. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, it's kind of like Gary Danielson doesn't believe in momentum. I'm not sure Coach Pruitt believes in, you know, being a gamer. You know, I, I think mm-hmm. that, you know, he think you know, he's told me several times, and, and which goes back to why I always make the comment, I'm like, if you don't pick them off in practice, you're not going to pick them off in a game. He's told me several times that, like, certain players are really good at picking off passes in practice, Trayvon Flowers mm-hmm. being one of them. And, you know, whereas like Nigel Warrior, whereas Nigel Warrior does not pick him off in practice. And you go back, to, he's dropped two or three balls that have come his way this year. Yeah, so, like, I think Chris Pruitt doesn't buy into that, the notion yeah. that Keller Chris is going to trot out there and all of a sudden just be a gamer. I think he played well against Alabama. I thought he was far better than at any point we've seen him mm-hmm. this year. But, I mean, you're down 28 to nothing. You're kind of playing with house money at that point. It's like, you know, what, what's there to lose? Right. Just go out there and let it let it fly. You know, had they brought him in and it was three to nothing or zero to zero against South Carolina, you know, how would he have done? Who knows? I, I do think that he's more comfortable now than he's been at any point, you know, during his time here. Um, but, you know, JG mm-hmm. was the starter for a reason, and, that, and that's just because JG's practice better. I think that JG gives them – they feel like JG gives them the best chance to win those football games. All right. Very cool. This, and again, this majestic voice that you're hearing everybody is the Austin price from VolQuest.com. power T. I know you got a question really quickly for Austin. Yeah. Uh, this is the power T Austin. And thank you for joining us. I'm a big fan of the locker room uh, and all the work that you do outside of VolQuest. really liking the swag. Keep it up, man. Uh, but I wanted to ask about um, a couple players uh, one of which made the surprise switch. Well, not the surprise switch, but the switch over to offense, and they contributed. Uh, Carlin Fields and me. Um, what the first question is: What do you see of his role moving forward, and how can Hilton utilize him? And then the second is a two-parter: Is what's going on with Jordan Murphy? Can we get him a bigger role in this offense? Is it mental? Is it physical? Is it schematic? And then finally, um, I guess it's the third question, not the second. But anyways, finally. Uh, since Pruitt's talked about, you know, I'm not going to play my, you know, um, 10th best DB um, in a role if I can get my sixth best DB on the field. Um, have they given any thought to moving perhaps somebody like Elante Taylor back to the safety spot if you're not going to give back um, Abernathy or uh, Flowers instead of rolling with somebody who's less athletic? If then, if you put Mark Osborne or one of your other corners in there, you may not lose as much at the corner spot uh, relative to the safety spot. Or do you think they've made that calculus? Um, to go to quote Coach Pruitt when he asks gets asked a three parter on on Mondays. What was your first one again? <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, I'm in rear fight. Uh, Power T is working at a different wavelength than we all are. So. You know. <laughs> Anyways, the first one is CFA made a made a splash in this game. What do you see oh, as yeah, the yeah, yeah. moving forward? You know, and, and talk to some people, I think, you know, that uh, they put those specific plays in this week to counter what South Carolina wants to do off the edge and felt like he was the only player that could, you know, 
run those type of plays. You know, and, and so I think they always liked Carlin as a tailback, but they it, when they moved him, you know, they, they felt like they needed some help at corner because they were real, real thin there in the spring. And then once Banks come in, they just never moved him back. And so I, I think it was natural for them to put him in there. Um, you know, obviously he's got some, some speed that, uh, you know, that, that some other guys don't have at that spot. You know, Madre London's kind of disappeared. I mean, you know, Tim Jordan, you know, still leaves a lot of yardage out there, you know, with, with how he, you know, loves to try to bounce things and doesn't necessarily see the hole that well. So I, I think Carlin's a guy that can, you know, find a niche and, and be a, kind of a utility type back for the rest of the season and going forward, you know, if, if he wants nice. to be here. I mean, he's one of those guys that, like, I think was kind of – this is not the right word, but was just kind of, you know, kind of lost, uh, you know, you know, didn't really feel like he had a, you know, role on the team. And so, you know, now if he, you know, if he finds a role down the stretch, then maybe he's able to help out the program going forward, which would be, a, you know, a nice add to that tailback room. Um, you know, uh, question two was what – Question two is, um, what's going on with, with Jordan, oh, Jordan Murphy? Murphy. Uh, you know, Jordan got injured um, at the Auburn game. And so um, he kind of took a shot, you know, to the chest area in that game or fell funny on the chest area. So, uh, you know, we'll see. Yeah, he might be a back for, you know, I would say Kentucky at the earliest. I, I would be shocked if he plays this week. Um you know, Will McBride did not even travel to not, not to switch gears a little bit. Will McBride didn't even travel to South Carolina, so I think everybody can see where that's headed. Um, and then third question was what? Oh, and then the third question was kind of in discussing our current safety struggles in the secondary. Um, I know oh, that yeah. early in his tenure, Delonte Taylor was looking at both corner and safety, or Jeremy Pruitt was looking at him both there. I mean, he's a hell of an athlete. Is it possible that he could get a look there, and then maybe somebody else comes in at corner? It's, are we allowed to say hell on, on the on the GQ family? Oh, absolutely, yes. Yeah. Hell yeah. Uh, I'm sorry, you know, I've been watching, too, uh, been listening uh, to me rap songs. Um, you know, I think I could see Alante playing some safety starting in spring. You know, I, I like I, I think there's a real chance that you see Latrell Bumpus back on the defensive line in the spring. You know, I think that's what, exactly where they were headed with Banks until Banks, you know, until Tennessee. I think you know the staff just you know realizes how slow they are linebacker and felt like, well, let's just move him now. I mean, he's already played enough games and it's not like you're trying to redshirt him. Let's move him. And, you know, who knows what he can give you down the stretch. You know, something's better than nothing. And so um, I, I think Alante's a guy that, you know, I don't think you'll see him move back to receiver. I think if he moves positions, it would be staying in the secondary and moving to safety. And a lot of that's, you know, predicated on, you know, what Warren Burrell can do, what Tyus Fields can do, if Tennessee's able to land Kenyatta Watson, some of these other corners. Um, I think what they do really predicates what Alante does as far as potential move back to safety. Awesome. And, again, everybody who's listening to this, the wonderful Austin Price is with us tonight. Thank you, Austin, for being with us. I think we got a couple more questions, and, and I know uh, we got to let you go in a minute. Um, pounding thrill. I think you had one, and then bleed orange, and then we'll uh, let Austin uh, jump. Yeah, Austin. I, 
I have just a, a, a very easy question for you. It's a four-parter, so make sure you have a pen and paper. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> I struggle with the three-parter. <laughs> but no, I'll give you guys. It's just real simple. I just, you know, I'd love to hear your kind of thought on on how how long have you been working for VolQuest? I came to work for Brent. Uh, technically, I started January of '07, but you know, I kind of, you know, worked. My, I won't even say fell into the gig. I worked my way into the gig in 2006. Um, Okay. Just, I, I'd love to hear your perspective on how much has changed from, you know, 2006, you know, when social media didn't or barely even existed at that point to kind of now, because I, I know how I, how I consume VolQuest has, has greatly changed over that time period, but I, I'd love to hear from you about just kind of what it was like when you first started working and kind of how it's changed now and, you know, any thoughts you, know, you have it, about it's, you know, you when I first like started recruiting, I was working. I was doing some stuff on the side for the Daily Times in Miraville. Um, you know, at the time, John Bryce was the sports editor at the Daily Times. And so I was doing some stuff for him, and I was just fresh out of college. And so, like, it was kind of grassroots recruiting. You know, I, we've got a whole, like, you know, you know, system that I can get in and look in and go, oh, okay, here's the number for Maurice Hampton. You know, back then, I, you know, I was, when I was doing it on my own, I didn't do anything. So I legitimately, you know, started you know, calling all the Stevens in Flower Mountain, Texas, and the 17th out of 17 happened to be Nick Stevens' house. So, you know, it, it, the, the, the way it's covered from change for me is drastic. But even since I got to VolQuest, I just think it's changed in, like, how you cover it with social media. You always have to be cognizant of those things. And, um, you know, it's, it's kind of one of those things where, like, I think just how you deal with the current staff, like the previous staff, and, and you know, they're – again this isn't me trying to take a shot at anybody on the board but like you know some of the guys just are unaware like you know the previous staff you know bob welton would you know send out the full visitor list you know to to, to paul and so you know just like he did us last year after paul left and so you know it was always you know the, the information was much easier to come by with the previous staff because they just gave it all to you it don't work that way with this new staff you know, they come from Alabama. They understand. I mean, it's just different. So everything you're you're getting, you're working for, you know. And so um, now, now they've gotten better with, you know, how they give us certain things, you know. But at the same time, you know, it, it's just different. And so, like, it's not the same as, you know, being, you know, spoon-fed, you know. And, I, and Paul and I have had this discussion um, because he, you know, when, when <laughs> I called him, I said, you did this podcast. I said, tell me how it was. <laughs> and, uh, and so, so we were talking and, you know, and he was asking me, wait, you know, wait, what it's like wait Austin, did you listen to it? Did I listen to Paul? No, to our podcast that Paul was on. And no, I did not. I, I just, okay. heard, I, 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 I took it uh, at face value. If he said it was, it was good to do, then I was good to do it. Um, you know, and I'm much more, you know, I, I, I'm much more willing to do this kind of thing than maybe some of the other guys are. You know, I mean, like, you know, I met Baltimore. He took me to play golf up in up in D.C. You know, I met another guy, you know, from VolQuest who took me to play golf at Valhalla, you know, and, and I'm just much more willing to do those kind of things. But the point is, is like just how we cover recruiting has changed, you know, just 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 from a team standpoint, you know. Um, you know, it, so it, it just working different coaches, you know, and that's, and that's always a struggle, you know, I mean, like when, when, you know, 
you have a big staff change and you got new guys coming in, you're having to, you know, introduce yourself to them and you have to earn their right. trust, you know, and, and that goes, uh, that goes a long way into, you know, having good intel. And I'm not talking about, you know, managers, I'm talking about legitimate staff people. So, you know, it, it's one of those things where you just, you're constantly trying to work relationships and you're trying to build relationships and. Austin, you know. if I could ask you one little quick follow-up then. Uh, you've probably covered what now four or five coaching staffs, I imagine. I mean, who, who gave you the most access, uh, you know, as far as coaching staff actually calling in and saying, Hey, this is, this is the guys who we think we can get and here's why. And, and I mean, if you're comfortable answering that, I don't know if that's like a breach of like confidentiality, but can you tell us kind of who was the coaching staff? Who was the most eager to feed y'all information to? Well, I mean, I think, I, I think Lane was always so huge into the whole, you know, the media can be our friend type thing. Mm-hmm. Um, nothing really affected him the one year he was here. Um, I, I, I'll say this, you know, it's different under, you know, Jeremy Pruitt from a standpoint of like, you have to work for some things. But, you know, I also think he's cognizant of who's working the hardest. And so he, you know, he's, he, yeah, I, I do think there's some real give and take with with this current staff, um, and so I think they've they've been really good. Um, I, the, each of them have kind of had their own their own you know pluses and minuses, and uh, you know, so I, I you know I I don't think anybody's you know I you know I've been close with several coaches you know along the way, whether it be you know assistant guys or head guys, and you know they all they all they're all a lot alike in a lot of ways. And so, uh, you know, they each have their own personality, but, you know, there's there's a core of two or three things that I think each and every one of them do the exact same way or worry about this or that in the exact same way. Very cool. And I, I think, again, this interview is definitely worth nine ninety five. So everyone that's listening, um, <laughs> thank Austin for that. Austin, thank you for being here. I know we've got – I will really quickly, I will kind of gloss over the fact that you did not listen to the uh, Paul Ford Mary interview. <laughs> um, I assumed you would have because, you know, we're, we're – It's kind of like when I told the guys – it's kind of <laughs> like when I told the guys a while back that I don't read. Uh, I don't – I mean, like, you know, I don't read books. You know, right. I don't – you know, I <laughs> – I, I spend so much, you know, I, I don't like, you know, I don't like, I, I'm just not one of that. I mean, like, I, I, I'm a, I'm an information gatherer. I don't, right. I don't look at myself as like, I'm not a literary guy. I'm not, I'm not going to sit there and I'm not going to do a lot of reading. I'm not going to sit there and write like these great pieces that you, I mean, I'm, I'm about information gathering. And right. so, um, I spend a good portion of my day on the phone, um, you know, with coaches at several different schools, just cause, you know, even the ones that were here, the went off to other places, you know, all those still guys, all those guys still love to chit chat. So, um, you know, it, it's all about gathering information for me. And, you know, that's, that's more about what I do. So I don't, don't take offense. I don't, you know, if, I don't listen to our podcast. <laughs> no, it's okay. <laughs> of course I well, tape, hey, but I mean, like, even if I didn't, I probably wouldn't. I just, well, Hey, we know, all listen to your goes. podcast. So we listen to it every, every, uh, yep. you know, week we love it. And this is just, again, our podcast here is meant to add additional content to the website as a fun way to interact between, you know, the, the, the staff of VolQuest and all the members because, you know, uh, it, it's just a big 
you know, fun group of folks. So I know we got one Usually. more question from Bleed Orange. He sent me like 25 text messages. He's just <laughs> chomping at the bit to ask this before we let you go, Austin. And of course, that's my son's way of saying that I sent him one message. <laughs> anyway, but that's what sons do. Um, no, I, I think, Austin, you know, the, it's, it's got to have, I know you're a Tennessee fan, right? And, you know, how is it after a game like, you know, West Virginia, we kind of roll into the new year and there's some optimism and, you know, we're, it's like Christmas, we're going to open the package and see what's going and then we fall on our faces and then we go through what we've gone through when we get to South Carolina and then that didn't work out at the end. And, you know, do you ever walk? I mean, it's got to be a grind for you uh, to sometimes say, okay, Jesse, you know, what are we going to talk about now before we turn the camera on? <laughs> what kind of well, what kind of face are we going to put on this pig? You know, before we talk tonight. I mean, well, I no everybody giving Jesse a hard time about his headline today. Uh, <laughs> Dink dunk. That was actually my idea. Oh. That was actually my. So I'm not going to let Jesse fall on the sword for something that I was actually. <laughs> I, I told him that should be his review piece, review piece title, and he ended up nah. using it last night. Um, Austin out here playing House of Cards. <laughs> but, but um, you know, I, I think it's always more fun to cover a team, you know, and I think Jesse would take this. I, everybody loves to – my biggest, my, my biggest, you know, question is I, how does people – how do people after two years not, not figure out that Jesse hates Florida? There are so many people that love to, like, talk about Florida to him and talk about George. Like, he hates the Gators. Um, <laughs> you know, but, I mean, like – the point is, is like, I, I think it's just much more fun to cover a team that's winning. And, you know, 5-0 and and the Hail Mary at Georgia feels like about 14 years ago. And yeah. the battle at Bristol feels like about 14 years ago. <laughs> and so it's, it's not a whole lot of fun. It's easy to just, you know, kind of get into the grind of like they don't have a shot, you know. And, um, you know, obviously I, I – I think they can win. I, I think they could potentially win out. They also could lose out outside of Charlotte. Um, yeah. You know, but I, I think the Kentucky game's huge because Kentucky's so one-dimensional. Can Tennessee find a way to get themselves into a close game late and steal one? Because if you win that mm-hmm. one, then you know you're going into the Vanderbilt game playing for bowl eligibility, and mm-hmm. that's all you can ask for. The last thing you want is a lame duck game. And you yeah. don't really want to go into the last two going, we got to win both. And so, yeah. you know, I, I think, you know, from the, from the, you know, from coverage standpoint, it's all, it's much more fun, you know, when the team's winning, you know, the Auburn game was, was much more fun to cover because you have something different to write about. You're, you hear about, you hear from Garantano for the first time, you know, since Jeremy Pruitt became the head coach, mm-hmm. you know, it, it just give it just gives you a different perspective. You know, last year, I mean, it was, it, Last year was taxing, but you also knew at some point the shoes will drop a butch. You know, mm-hmm. it's going. You know, and then you're going to have a coaching surge, and then you know, we, no one expected an AD switch and all that. But um, you know, I, I I do think that this this season, you know, would have a you know would have a nice you know little nugget to it if Tennessee can find a way to beat Kentucky uh, a week from Saturday and be sitting there. You know, going into the last two, just needing one. You know, and mm-hmm. you know, I think this team plays a little more loose. You know, when that happens, um, 
last thing you want to do, like I said, is go in there needing a win against Missouri and a win against Vanderbilt. And Kentucky mm-hmm. is a one-dimensional team. And, you know, depending on how things shake out Saturday, they could come out flat, you know, because they've put everything – they're going to have everything built into this Georgia game. The crowd will be live up there. They're, they're playing for the East. They win, they go to Atlanta for the first time ever. And, you know, if they don't win, you know, who's to say that it's not like a huge punch to the gut or a little pin pop to a balloon and the air starts coming out a little bit and Tennessee catches <laughs> them a little flat the following week. Yeah, they'll there be awesome. rocking and rolling all 40,000 uh, 40, of them. Up there in you think we can actually get a good enough linebacker play, and this is PTC ball, a good enough linebacker play and defensive line play to stop Benny Snow? You know, that's a great question. You know, obviously Tennessee struggled to stop the run against South Carolina, but I think if you're if you're trying to scheme it up in a certain way, um, yeah, I think Tennessee could potentially, you know, get good enough play up front. You know, I think Chateau, Chateau and Alexis Johnson, I think have been really, really solid. I, yeah, right. I think Alexis Johnson is one of the more unique stories on this team just because, you know, he was left for dead and hmm. nobody saw this coming out of him. And uh, he, he's just been, you know, as, as Jesse calls it, steady Eddie. I mean, he's, he's been really consistent for him. Is he a world beater? No, but he's not been a liability. That's for sure. Yeah, I think to that point, Austin, um, I, I do think Jesse's been listening to the podcast because I've been on the Alexis Johnson train for a while now. So um, I think he was one of the first <laughs> to call that out. Um, so if you want to give him a little jab on that, uh, he's definitely listening uh, as he's going to sleep at night. He's putting on the podcast, the, the fan podcast, to get some notes. As is the staff. Yes. So uh, we, like to, we like to joke about that, that you guys are actually listening. So um, it's it's fun for us. So Again, Austin, thank you so much, man, for, for joining uh, with us. We hope it was fun. And yes. Again, like I said, uh, it sounds like you're open uh, to any round of golf or any, uh, you know, expensive dinner out. So uh, anybody <laughs> on the vault, you know, on the general quarters uh, that has I, a lot of money. I or... an expensive round of golf. Exactly. <laughs> Nobody. I got you covered there. Uh, I got you covered there, Austin. I, what do you mean expensive? You're paying. <laughs> you, what do you mean expensive? You you mean you're paying? Yeah, no, right. No, no. <laughs> but no, I think uh, what he's saying, bleed orange, is he doesn't want to stare across the table at you and look into your big blue sultry eyes. And eat <laughs> Power T, bring him the heat, buddy. <laughs> no, but again, thank you so much, Austin, for all the work that you do. Honestly, man, from and we want to have you back again. Hopefully, this has been a good enough, good enough, fun time that uh, we can lob some recruiting questions your way and you know uh, even i know rob lewis is more a basketball guy but even talk about basketball a little bit with you too once we get into that season but thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule uh, to spend some time with us on the uh, the fan podcast it really really does yeah, we really enjoyed it awesome thank you hey we appreciate it guys and you let us know if you need anything okay all Yay, right round of applause for austin yeah, yeah. thanks austin Yay. good thanks, stuff austin. man thanks austin and austin's disconnected so Really quickly, I know, uh, sorry, Priestfall, I didn't bring you in on any of the questions. That's that's my fault. But uh, I do have a special entrance song for you. I went and cut this thing up. Oh, man, um, I can't wait to hear it. We've got a special segment, ladies and gentlemen, um, as we kind of wrap up the evening here. Um, the Austin Price interview went a little long, which they usually do. These are, you know, the VolQuest staff members, so, you know, we take extra special care of them. Um, we have the Confession Corner coming up here with Priestfall. 
Um, before we bring him in, I've got a little extra theme song for him, uh, bringing him in here. So hold on one second. Man, that's awesome. So if anybody knows that song, that is Confessions by Usher. We've got Priest Fall on here. And actually, I should have boosted the volume a little bit. I know it was very quiet, but, uh, you know, here we go, Priest Fall. I'm going to pass it to you, man. Uh, if you could go uh, just talk about a little bit what this is going to be about. I know we talked about the, the SC Junior game a little bit, um, but let's let's pass it over to you, and uh, we'll go through uh, your confessions for the game uh, from the SC Junior game. Yeah, no, that, that intro, I, I'm going to have to use that in other situations as well. Exactly, um, you got to walk into a room with the Usher song behind you now. Yeah, f- from now on, that's going to be my intro song. Um <laughs> Yeah, so really what we can do, you know, what I was thinking of is, is using this to kind of confess, uh, you know, which position group or, or even coach surprised you the most and both good and bad um, from the previous week and the previous game. We can go through each one of those, and I got some topics we can touch on real quick. And, and what's what's kind of funny is it, is it tied in pretty much throughout the, the podcast we've we've all been talking about. They're all going to kind of kind of fall in line here. Um, and then the, the second portion of this is – is which player really truly just needs to go and repent for their sins and, and throw up the most Hail Marys to just <laughs> cleanse themselves from the, 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 poor, the poor performance from the week before. So uh, you guys jump in. If you, you know, if you guys like what I say, don't like what I say, or, or um, have some input, we'd love to hear it. So um, I think we've, we've kind of touched on it. He's been the MVP of the podcast, which was you know Tyson Helton. He's going to be my best confession, and, and he honestly surprised me. We've all watched and watched him you know i guess learn on the job so to speak i think yeah. it was touched on earlier and it's kind of been it, it's kind of tough you know sandwich to eat when you're paying him one over a million dollars um to learn on the job but i mean sometimes it it's, tends to work out that way but i mean he, he he put together a solid game plan um in at sc junior last night and you know really impressive of working with what he had and which on the offensive front is what i think we all attest to is isn't isn't um isn't the you know the hogs of the the redskins they're the, the guys are you know they're, they're probably not the beef um they're not gonna they're not gonna just blow anybody off the line so i think what he what he did by you know quick quick passage you know putting people in motion what he did with carlin fields and me really showed that he he's willing to work with what he's got and i think that can only look good for the future um Pretty balanced attack too. I think he had 39 passes, uh, 34 rushes, and I think AP touched on it when he was talking about. It. I mean, almost 40 minutes of possession time. That's how. You, I mean, that's pretty. That's pretty strong for 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 what we've ha- been putting up with the past, you know, previous six weeks of actually winning the the, you know, the time of possession game. Um, rushing came about, and I think that was a, just a, a a really, you know, tack on to what he was doing in the passing game of getting the ball out fast and getting the linebackers and safeties to play more zone, which opened up the running lanes. Um, so those are my, that's kind of my, my best confession I have. And uh, worst confession, it, it definitely we're going to touch on is the D line. And this, this kind of, this stat actually kind of blew my mind that we only had two tackles for loss oh, in that game. And well, KP Kyle Phillips had one and a half and Alexis Johnson had half a tackle for losses, what they were giving him credit for. But I mean, that's, you, you can't win in the sec with that. That that's, that's just mind. 
that's mind blowing. You had one no, total sack. Not mind blowing. Mind Just, bottling. <laughs> bottling. Mind bottling. Bottling. Mind bottling. That's right. GQ. <laughs> the terms. <laughs> mind is bottled. Well, this will bottle it further. We only had one sack, and they accredited to Phillips and Johnson each getting a half a sack. Like that's just, I mean, that's kind of, <laughs> it's bottling. Uh, yep. But, I mean, every time SC would run the ball, it, it, they would hit the hole, and then they would squeak out another seven or eight yards. It, it just breaking through the arm tackles. No, I mean, a straight ISO play, they were gaining eight, nine on the mm. ground easily before they hit the second or third level. And then by that time, I mean, you're, that's on first down. That's not even, you know, a second or third down rush where you, you're not expecting the run. Um, the up-tempo, it, it, you could tell that they were gassed by the end of the game. It, even – even halfway through the third quarter, we're talking about it. You know, watching the game at my house, it was it was just the, the guys. You could tell they were gassed. They weren't used to it after being you know run over and by Alabama. They you know Alabama just threw it a lot, so they weren't really having to to be pounded in and out of the game. Um, gave up 224 yards on the ground. I mean, that's that's like last year's numbers. Right. And 5.6 per rush was just. I, I was I didn't know it was that high until I looked at it today. And I was just it was blown, blown away that we were giving up five, almost five and a half yards. I mean, you can, you can run ten plays and get in the end zone running five and a half yards a play. Mm-hmm. Um, so th- those are my best, worst um, confessions that I got to give you. Um, and then my hell marys, man, my hell marys go out to DeAndre Johnson. That dude may give his all, but he got taken out of every single play. He didn't have any tackles last night. Uh. He did, he blew two coverages on easy routes out of the backfield that he just had to basically just bump the guy and the ball wouldn't you know it wouldn't have even been a problem. I mean he only has seven tackles the entire year, so I'm giving him seven hell marys to go do, and and just just clear his head. I mean right. he he seems like he's got some talent. He's fast, but he gets sucked in way too much on the draw. He gets pushed just and opens up wide lanes anytime. They run his way, and it just—he looks lost. And I never thought that I would say that Jonathan Kongbo is truly missed. And I think we all said it earlier, but man, he DeAndre, my man, you gotta—if you're listening, which you probably are, because everybody yes, listens to this podcast. Exactly. Um, I, I need you to step it up, my friend. And that's that's actually multiple shout-outs and multiple weeks now for Jonathan Kongbo. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I know we we buried him and, and put his name on a on a grave, but uh, man, goodness gracious! Uh, he's Maybe he wasn't missed. that bad. Maybe he was not <laughs> that bad for us. So, uh, Jonathan Kongbo, we miss you, my friend. And uh, gosh, we I think he wasn't a five star, but he was maybe a duly four star. Uh, so I wish he, you know, he wish he <laughs> did not get hurt. Um, I want to add really quickly, I know I don't want to derail this priest fall, but just to add, as far as someone that needs a Hail Mary from the board, because I know we didn't really go after many people on the board tonight, um, I thought this was a really funny thread. It was the football IQ thread by Rooster J 37 Did anybody else see oh, that one? Let's see. I haven't and seen that one. He went off on, he goes, of this board has gone away down past the few past years. It's real sad and a pain in the ass to filter through. I have this image of some five foot nine dude with a gut and a goatee that wears his Peyton jersey to church on Sundays and screams at the TV on Saturday while giving us all his brilliant opinions of how bad JG is as a quarterback. Um, and then, you know, it went on and on. And this one was, 
I think it might have gone to multiple pages. No, it didn't go to multiple pages because I think JD Juggernaut might have derailed the thread. But um, I just wanted to give him a little bit of a shout out. He needs to have a couple Hail Marys for, for that thread because I think we're a little bit smarter than we put off sometimes. Anybody else wanted to... Like- Five ten and a half. See, there we go. And then everybody's putting their height and their weight and all their credentials <laughs> into the thread and stuff. So it was pretty funny. Um, anybody else have any? I think the hail mary thing is pretty interesting. Obviously, we ragged on on Todd Kelly. I want to give a hail mary uh, to uh, Mr. Corte Sap. He he had one good tackle and was really pumped up, but was just he was absent the rest of the game. Um, I really wish. I mean, what's his waist size, right? We talk about it every week. Goodness gracious. You know, he's got a tiny waist per VFF. And, um, you know, the guy's got, you know, the shirtless photos and all this kind of stuff. He's got all the the tools as far as, you know, physique and athleticism. But the guy never makes any plays. And I think that's what a lot of people were talking about earlier with, you know, getting someone like a Jeremy Jeremy Banks at linebacker. Um, You know, we need Which has me a bit triggered. Yeah, exactly. UTC, <laughs> you're triggered, man. Let, let's hear about it really fast. Yeah, you, as you all know, if you've listened to the podcast, uh, Pounding Thrill has called me out a couple times on this. Thanks, bud. <laughs> um, Jeremy Banks is my favorite running back on the team, if he can hold the freaking ball. However, yes. um, I do agree that him being moved to linebacker, at first I was like, this is crap. Why? And then understanding that he wanted to just get on the field, contribute more, and understanding how hard he runs, translate that into being a linebacker, and with his speed, he can cover sideline to sideline. I think that that's actually a really good move, and I'm hoping that as he develops into a solid linebacker, he can just be an absolute animal and just put some people flat on his back, a la, you know, one of the greatest balls ever, Al Wilson. Oh my uh, goodness! Hold on, hold. <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm not saying he's going to be an Al Wilson. And I think Power Team may have even said this, and I'm not sure. Somebody on the um, yeah. it was somebody on the board said that what he needs to do is call up Al Wilson, talk to him, go to him, discuss things with him, discuss the position, and just watch film of Al Wilson. Do I think he's going to get there? Nah, you know who knows. But at this point, no. Um, but I want him to model his game after Al Wilson. I mean, why not? He's already got why the not? neck roll, man. Exactly. You know, exactly. why not and how model come none of our game running after the greatest up, linebacker we've had in the past our, you know, 25 years? How come none of our running backs are calling up Travis uh, Travis Henry or Stevens? Well, for one thing, Travis Henry probably has 1,700 children. So they, he probably <laughs> He's got a birthday party a week. Right, exactly. Hey, where know, are those when is Travis Henry's kids exactly. going to start getting scholarships for Carnell? We need <laughs> to have how how many of them were girls? <laughs> I mean, there should be at least Well, they can be kicker then. <laughs> I mean, yeah, right? It's 2018. They should, we should have a kicker or two in there. Um, but, uh, it, no, all, all kidding aside, it's uh, – you know, it's going to be interesting moving forward if we can, if we can get some uh, longevity out of Mr. Banks at the linebacker spot. Priestfall, anything else, man? That uh, anything else you got in the confessions segment? Nope, those are my confessions. Man, I love I it. Actually, Taylor needs to visit confessional for that touchdown he gave up to Debo. Oh my goodness! Yeah. Heat right that catch now. was insane, though. That's really good catch. Care. No reason for him <laughs> to back off that coverage. 
Yeah, I think that's true. Yep. You know, I think at this point you can count Alante as a you know he's not a freshman anymore. He's had a lot of a lot of burn now. Um, hey, let's so. let's let's because we we've been really hard on the offensive line. Yeah. In this podcast, so let's give them a little bit of hats off. I, hey. They they improved yeah. big yeah, time agreed. yesterday. Uh, I even I even created a thread right before the game or sometime before the game. I thought, yeah, they're going to refocus and do you know have have their best game, and I don't. You know, I don't know if my reasons for them doing that are, you know, what they ended up being. But in the end, those guys, we look like a legit offense yesterday. And a lot of it just came down to the offensive line, just kind of getting in the way of people. They don't have to push people five yards down the field. They just kind of moved them around a little bit. And that was big-time improvement on those guys. They look good. Um, I shouldn't say good, all things relative. They look a lot better than they have so far. So, Let's, yep. let's give them a hats yeah, off. Hats off to Ryan Johnson, too. That kid played good for the first time all year. He, he had a strong game. I think some of this goes back to the uh, what we're saying about Helton, too. I think that he helped the O-line with his scheming. No, and that's a good point. I think, uh, you know, it's part scheme and maybe, again, it, it's really odd, but, you know, you put Tatum in there, left tackle as well. And, I mean, <laughs> not to say that J.G. wasn't getting – late hit every chance he threw the ball. Sure. Which that's something we didn't even talk about. Actually, I, hold on. Now, that I look, when I said that, I just got triggered in my mind. Not to uh, prolong this podcast even further, but my confession also um, is for the referees. I think they mm-hmm. freaking sucked during the, the Carolina game. And I'm actually proud of this podcast for not blaming on the referees this whole time. We didn't say really hardly anything. Referees were absolutely trash in this game. And they took away seven points, or they gave them seven points and took away a fumble for pretty much a touchdown for us. And, you know, that's happened to us before. We we fumble on the one-yard line, and UGA takes it back for a touchdown. I remember that one. It's, in, you know, it's in my mind. And then, you know, this guy for South Carolina blatantly fumbled. You know, you can't really see in the pile who gets the ball, but we come out with the ball and we're running it back for a touchdown. So... Georgia uh, Tech. Here, here, here's the point on that. This, yeah. this is why that play is so frustrating. Because I've been biting my tongue. I hate. I, I generally just hate referees. As uh, that's like uh, something I just feel Good. really strongly about. But <laughs> um, you know, the ball carrier's knees never even hit the ground ever right. that I could mm-hmm. see. I mean, so you know, to the extent of those refs saying, "Well, we called it dead, and that's why we didn't review it." Uh, screw them. Like. He shouldn't have caught it dead in the first place. Like, he was on a number of bodies. His knees never hit the ground. His elbows never hit the ground. Our defender came out of the, the pile with the ball. By definition, yep. that's a fumble. That's a good that point. was such a botched call. And uh, their explanation highlights how much they screwed that up. Right. That I was so mad after the game. Like, we, I, I'm not going to blame the loss on the refs, but... You know, we had plenty of times that we could have made they other sure plays help. and things like that. But no. they, they, it's about as close as I'll come to just flat out blaming them. Because with that pass interference call and that fumble, those are just two huge plays right there that uh, really affected the game. To add to that, uh, pounding, I could throw a little shade, I think, Pruitt's way uh, on that fumble. Why not take a time out there and make them review it? Bring it up. Talk to them. Do something, but stop South Carolina from running another play 
by calling a timeout right there so that, you know, hey, at least they can review it. I mean, obviously you don't have a challenge flag, but do something. I think there is something mentioned, though, that um, at least from his perspective, he couldn't see or the staff couldn't see something clearly enough. And uh, maybe there was a feeling they might need that timeout later on in the game, but they didn't know that they could really call a timeout in that situation. I mean, I get what you're saying, and everybody else is thinking that, seeing the replays, but I'm not sure that he had the same opportunities we had. Well, I, th- I think we're kind of like, you know, we're, we're, we're micromanaging if we get to that point. But, I, I mean, I agree with PTC on some level in that, you know, for – for for that play to be as big as it was, and we all knew it when it happened, right? For our mm-hmm. defender to come out of that that pile with the ball, there was very little like hubbub about that. I mean, you know, normally if you see something like that, you would think the defenders be jumping up and down, they'd be yelling at the coaches, it needs to be reviewed or something like that. That was like the most. There, there was almost zero emotion, which was kind of bizarre um, it from was our benign. side of the thing. It just. Yeah, it was. I mean, other other than uh, who's it? Batuli, I think that came out with it. It was even he him. Up. He just seemed to be kind of like, eh, okay, they're not going to call it. All right, back back to defense. <laughs> I, the, the whole the whole emotion of, around that one was really really flat, which I think just kind of let the refs off the hook a little easy on that one. Yeah. Well, again, I think the uh, the common thread here is we're all pissed with SEC officiating, and I mean, even Austin talked about it. Jeremy Pruitt went to the the SEC offices mm-hmm. and made whatever claims he could make, and hopefully Fulmer's building some case against Alabama or something. But uh, <laughs> you know, uh, the SEC referees suck, and the, that Don Lemon lookalike guy was really happy to call all the the calls that he that he did on Tennessee. <clears throat> so. Anyway, not sour grapes or anything from that game, but uh, you know, hopefully we'll rebound and, and make it to a bowl and um, you know finish off the season re- really strong. Um, I... Last thing I, I do want to talk about: we're not going to really do troll of the week this week. Uh, we're going to take a break this week on that one. But um, obviously, the starting left tackle of Tennessee, Trey Smith, um, you know, diagnosed with another blood clot in his lungs. I mean, thank God almighty that, uh, the, you know, training staff or the doctors, you know, were monitoring this as much as they were and found it before it happened that, you know, I have personal family that, you know, this has impacted. So it's very near and dear to my heart, but, um, you know, obviously this, this guy, you know, life is more important than football and some, for some people, football is life, right? But, um, I just wanted to give my best to Trey Smith, and I hope he has the speediest of recoveries. And if he can play football, that's great. But first and foremost, hopefully his health uh, is, is taken care of because I know the great people of the state of Tennessee will definitely take care of him for the rest of his life because um, he's definitely and truly evolved for life. So I wanted to pass it to the group. If anybody else had anything to say to, to Trey Smith, um, any well wishes, uh, before we sign off tonight. Yeah, I, um, I'm experiencing something uh, similar to what he's dealing with uh, with a very close friend of mine. She has a DVT in her leg that she is actively getting treated. Um, I'm worried about her. But Trey, you know, man, we love you. Um, your, your toughness will never be questioned. Your 
loyalty, your love for this university will never be questioned. I pray fervently that you're able to make a full recovery, regardless of what you do going forward from here. We know you're going to be successful. My wish for you is that you would stay around the team. I think you could help out in the capacity um, in any way that you feel where you can plug in, uh, helping out with the O-line, just being around, being able to get guys up. Seeing you there is going to bring a confidence to the team that, hey, even though this guy's career may be over, he's still here willing to help. And I think that would be a great way for you to just give whatever you can to the team. But most of all, just take care of yourself. Make sure everything's in line. Can't wait to see you walk down that, uh, walk across that dais, shake the president's hand, and see you graduate. And we're, we're all here, man. We all love you. Amen no to that. Yep. Anybody else? Cool. Uh, well, I, you know, I, I think good health is something that people, you know, just take for granted until you don't, until also you just don't have it anymore. I feel terrible for him. I hope he gets healthy. Um, you know, we're, it's just kind of one of those things. It's, uh, I, th- I feel as I've gotten older, the worst thing about sports is kind of the injuries and things like that. Uh, <laughs> and I, I just, I hate to see it happen. But, um, you know, Tennessee will support him and uh, I wish him the best. Yep. Very cool. Anything else, gentlemen? Well, cool. Well, again, our you know deepest thoughts and, and prayers are for you, Trey Smith, and I know his teammates are probably just loving on him so much, and, and the student body, and the university, and the state. So, um, hearts are with you, and you know, definitely a true Vol for life. Um, and uh, we just we just hope and wish the best best for you in, in health first and foremost so take care of yourself my friend and uh, we love you and with that being said ladies and gentlemen we have reached the end of podcast number five again believe it or not one of the highest downloaded podcasts in the history of podcastery uh <laughs> all quest fans podcast we're so excited to have you all listening this whole time uh whether it's all the great cast and crew that we have on here to having our special guests Um, even having Austin Price on this evening to talk about uh, just some of his insider information. It's been such a great night. Um, You know, a tough South Carolina loss week, but we're going to move forward and get towards that bowl game and uh, continue to grow this program up under Coach Pruitt. So uh, with that being said, ladies and gentlemen, I will uh, lead us out with a Rocky Top. Go Vols. Anybody else have anything before we sign off? Thanks for having me guys tonight. Thanks, Priest Vol, for joining, my friend. We appreciate you ha- having you yeah, on. Yeah, great we'll segment, bring my you friend. On next time. Yeah, absolutely. You guys have a great rest of the evening. All right, man. Anybody else? Alrighty, I will sign us off. Go Vols. <laughs>